This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I am your host of this F1 special series, Sam from Seen Through Glass, and alongside me is regular guest <laughs> of After the Checkered Flag. This <laughs> joke is becoming <laughs> sickening now. <laughs> Just keep going. One day you'll make that co-host status. Um, it's going to be an interesting episode for numerous factors. Uh, firstly, Twiggy, my puppy, is here being very needy and desperate for Paul to throw her tennis ball, so that's just going to be a distraction for most of the show. <laughs> Secondly, I recorded a two-hour episode with Tony this morning. Oh my god. So yeah, my voice is a little okay. hoarse. But so is mine. Uh, yes, well, for different reasons. <laughs> most interestingly, though, is you didn't actually watch the Grand Prix, <laughs> so it's going to be quite a unique episode. I was, I was, I was going to play a little bit of a, a sob story oh. that might elevate me to sign a co-host contract to, sh- to so. show the dedication. We don't uh, like health, uh, health. What's called insurance issues over here. Like, <laughs> go on, you can tell your sob story, but don't make it too long. <laughs> no, no, no. All I will say is uh, about thirty-six hours ago, I was in a Portuguese hospital. <laughs> I landed back in the UK at 2.30 a.m. this morning. None of this COVID related. Yeah, I was going to say, we should probably class. <laughs> yeah. oh, nice to see you, Paul. <laughs> Definitely not COVID. And um, so off about five hours sleep, I followed the race on Twitter. Okay, throughout the race or just? Throughout the race. Oh, nice. So I oh, okay. boarded the plane as uh, lap 56. Oh, finished. cool. Oh, so great. Okay. I had this image in my head of every piece of action that happened during the Grand Prix whilst I was heavily medicated. <laughs> I thought, this is going to be amazing. There's uh, a gypsy fairy in third place. I mean, anything's possible yeah. with the US Grand Prix, the way that they present it. Bloody hell. Um, and then this morning, woke up, and before I came here, I watched the Sky Sports highlights. I would have loved, because I feel like it was the race to watch lap by lap, but I watched the the hour-long highlights. So I feel like I got the best bits, but also really wished that I watched it live as it was happening, because from what I saw on Twitter, what a race. Yeah, I, I text you almost immediately as the race ended, <laughs> knowing that you weren't able to watch it, saying... Like you, you, you have to watch the whole race because I thought I had this idea in my head of you landing and opening up and seeing that the finishing result was the starting order that you know, hadn't changed and being like, yeah, oh, it must have been a really boring race. I was like, oh my god. No. So yeah, I follow four main Twitter accounts that kind of give you live updates throughout the race, and one of them, Karun, was 
amazing. Corinne Chandock. Corinne Chandock, who um, w- was really good at just giving an insight into what was happening. And then all of the live updates that I got from, I think it's is it Autosport Live? Autosport Live, live yes. yes. Autosport Which live. is such a great Twitter account to follow if you're into Formula One and can't actually watch the televised version because I had basically minute by minute updates, lap by lap of everything that was going on. So... I got I got a real picture in my head as to what was happening, but then everything that I picked up whilst I was at the airport ready to fly home, then coming back and watching the highlights, I was like, oh, that's how. Oh, okay, now, <laughs> yes. But you're so right, because so many situations where I've been on the road, haven't been able to watch the race, and I'll get like Vicky to read the Autosport Live from the passenger seat, and I'm like, refresh it! She's like, no, I was like, refresh it! Um, it is great, so big shout out to them following it on Twitter is actually pretty exciting and quite engaging. Yeah. But so many bits of action, which only, what is it, 150 characters Twitter still yeah. can describe, you know, clashes, moments, you know. So it was one of those races that was all about the strategy, but also the long game. And, and over that, whatever it was, an hour and a half, hour and 40 minute period, the tension was just so intense and didn't really sort of, you know, avail itself until well after the, the checkered yeah. flag. So I just wanted to make sure that you had somehow experienced some of that, which it sounds like you did, just I d- I, not I, by I, watching I, it. I did. And then even like the little moments of commentary that I just tried to put myself in, I'm, I'm watching it live. I was, I was closing my eyes to be like, I'm watching this live and I've got Crofty in my ears. <laughs> because it was when they were talking about how early they've pitted Max for the, mm, for the, for the second mm. stint and how, okay, they came out and then said, Pirelli say that they could do 40 laps on these tyres, so he'll be fine. But I really got a sense of Red Bull really asked a lot of Max yesterday and um, oh, he delivered. Oh, he delivered. He delivered. So, so much to discuss. If this is your first time tuning into After the Checkered Flag, uh, so far this year, Paul and I have sat down to review pretty much all the Grand Prix that have taken place. We've missed a few. We've combined a few into episodes when they've been boring. But let's face it, it's been one of the most exciting years of Formula One racing. Well, for a long time. And with the upturn in interest in the sport, it's just allowed us to nerd out after each race and just talk about something that, that we love. And and actually talking about the sort of upswing in interest, one thing which you maybe wouldn't have seen but probably have across social media now is the turnout for the Grand Prix. It was in this, the amount of people. It was, I think 400,000 across the weekend. It was the one thing that I think I had highlighted as one thing that I was going to bring up, having not watched the full race. The one thing that I can comment on is just what an amazing event Austin put on. Like the US Grand Prix is now on my bucket list of Grand Prix I need to attend to. Because it all started when, I think it was like four years ago, where they did like the driver run out, like all of the drivers came out and they were like, next up we've got Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> and like there was, it was as if we were watching like the Super Bowl. Yeah, very Americana. Very, very. And I just love the spectacle. And and I mean, the, the fans that were there and how the whole weekend felt the social media posts that I saw, whether whatever account that it was that I was following, just the content that we got as, as fans was amazing. But then obviously on the race as well, like I was just looking at the grandstands going, that's the most amazing audience I've ever seen. 
I think the atmosphere came through the television somehow and yeah. that helped build this kind of tension, this kind of expectation for this race. You know, we had Hamilton and Verstappen lining up into a first corner, which has seen plenty of crazy action over the years. And I think it was just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then, yeah, the national anthem, which everyone said, you know, made their ha- hairs on their arms stand up. All the celebrities, did you, you must have seen now some of the awkward interactions Martin Brundle had on the grid. Oh no, so I, I, I was ready to play one and I can't remember what was it like. Megan, oh, was Megan, it Megan the Stallion. Stallion. Which is the best one. Even <laughs> Greg, Greg James was playing out on the radio this uh, morning. So I, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I saw that it was there. Um, but I, I need to, I need to watch it. Because that was the thing, you know, it felt like real Grand Prix of Old or like Monica in its heyday where yeah. not only was, you know, the, the grid was busy, there were superstars everywhere. Martin the glitz and glamour. Yes, and then this huge crowd. And yeah, um, America seemed to really embrace Formula One this weekend or for the Grand Prix, which I think a huge part must be down to Drive to Survive for sure. Um, of course, everyone, you know, getting out of COVID wants to go and do things. Um, Austin, so I was there in 2019. Unbelievable city, unbelievable place. I've been researching housing there. <laughs> um, uh, so wait, like two weeks ago or like two Grand Prix ago, it was Monza. I'm going to buy a McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> now, By the way, that Ricardo edition is out. Do you know that? In Australia, yeah, they did a Ricardo edition 720S and it's already out what on the street. Orange. Oh, of course. It looks like the McLaren livery. Uh, okay. But now it's like, I want to live in we get, we Austin, get, Texas. Can you imagine what Miami next year is going to be like? Yes, I'm not the biggest Miami fan. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not being rude and just texting my phone halfway <laughs> through this podcast. My laptop's being slightly temperamental, and so I want to bring up the finishing order on my phone because, of course, we're going to get on to Hamilton Verstappen. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of action in this race, <sighs> up and down the yeah. field. Some great, you know, clashes and great results, great drives. It's, it's, it's just a perfect circuit. I just feel like... Yes, go on, tell me why. (laughs) Firstly, it looks incredible. Mm -hmm. But that sector one, I feel like normally television and cameras that shoot Formula One cars do not display the speed and agility of Formula One cars properly. You have to see it live. But that sector one is unbelievable to see those cars, especially on lap one, the Ferraris and the McLarens, seeing them go wheel to wheel through sector one and seeing just how fast those cars. And I think the the sort of imperfections in the tarmac, because it's quite a bumpy circuit, I think that helps to see the cars move around and just as dynamic as they are. That was the coolest thing for me. And then obviously there were so many overtaking opportunities. Sector three is also like just an incredible place to see cars go around the outside and then lunging into the corner. Cause the, like you can't straighten the car to get into the corner. Like it's just such a cool circuit that looks good as well. And the, the, the whole atmosphere, but it provided some incredible action. And I loved it. Like the highlights, it was just all mashed together. So it was just constant action. <laughs> but that's what I thought. I can't remember what it was at some point I was watching. I just went, God, this is a good circuit. Like, God, like, God, this is amazing. And, and, you know, it was one of those weird races where, actually, you know what, I think even if you weren't an F1 fan, you would have enjoyed it because the commentary team did a great job, at least, you know, on Sky and explaining what was going on and trying to keep people up to date. But there was so much happening and it was fairly obvious that it was all going to come to a head towards the end of the race. So, you know, it wasn't at the front, at least, this kind of, you know, wheel to wheel for 20 laps. But it was it was just exhilarating, and then yeah. throughout you know you had everything else going on. So yeah, so I thought as sort of you know it's re- 
relatively traditional on this uh, podcast. We would go through the finishing order, skip through people who we don't really want to talk about, <laughs> um, and discuss some of the, the key players. So the first person I want to talk about is Fernando Alonso. <laughs> because he's now, I think, starting to take the piss. <laughs> so after Sochi, where he just went... I'm just going to go straight on in the first corner. <laughs> yeah. Screw it. They won't, they won't notice. They won't care. Like, I'll get away with it. Uh, decided after Kimi Raikkonen supposedly overtook him around the outside of turn one and then theoretically got away with it, which I would argue is not the biggest Jimmy Alfonso fan. <laughs> he barged Kimi off the side of the track, crashed into his car, and then Kimi still got around the edge. When Kimi didn't get a penalty, Alonso goes, well, screw it. I'm just going to absolute lunge, go miles off the track, keep the position, and then go on the radio going, yahoo! I mean, it was such an aggressive middle finger. Do you know what I feel like? I feel like he's one of these um, like casual online gamers. He's <laughs> like a troll. Yeah. He's like an online gaming troll. Like if he can't win, he'll just turn around and go the wrong way around the track and have a head-on collision with yeah. someone just to wipe someone out. Literally that. He's like trying to prove this point of like how fickle the stewards can be or like how it doesn't really make sense and it's just such a weird thing to do but kind of comical and the replay of him going late into i can't remember what turn it is after the really yeah, long the back straight, straight yeah I just think he didn't break. Oh no, he just plow. And it's like this floors the throttle like, on the yeah, outside. Yeah, there's like there's so much runoff. I'll just I'll just straighten this bit. <laughs> and then straight away they're onto Michael Massey being like, so just to check, that's totally fine, right? Because Kimmy was fine. So <laughs> yeah. I mean it was so but great and brilliant. And then once again flying the flag for that FIA radio, which I just adore. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, so I mean I don't really get what he's up to. I think maybe it's born out of frustration a little bit. I think yes, uh, um, maybe a bit of a bit of frustration, a little bit of boredom, maybe, um, and also, oh, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know what else. No, there was, but the thing was, he had some good racing, you know, good good racing with Kimi, good racing with the Toro Rosses, up and down the field. So when he does stuff like that. It's, it's sort of comical, but it's also a bit like, oh, come on. And I want to touch on something towards the end, which oh, Tony said, which oh, I don't want to give him credit for, but okay. we'll come back to it. We'll say that a, a random unnamed person said yeah, it. Said, we, well, we, well won't, we won't reference yeah, Tony. Don't give him any credibility. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on up through the field, uh, Russell, I think, had a sort of here or there weekend. It wasn't Williams' weekend, but um, I was watching the W Series, Jamie Chadwick, champion yeah, again, yeah. absolute legend, and he was out um, congratulating her, and all of Williams were, so uh, exciting in that sense. Um, Kimmy, I thought, had a strong race. You know, mm, he, he did actually have spun. some... Yeah. <laughs> Just literally halfway through the quarter, I was like, oh, I can't hold on to it anymore. It was a, it was a weird spin. Which is, again, so... Don't forget Alonzo, Kimmy. Okay, remember that for okay. later on. Okay. Uh, your boy Lance Stroll. Oh, any, uh... Great, great race. Obviously, got taken out on t- on turn one. Uh, that wasn't his fault. Nope, never is. Um, Lawrence, hope you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say as well? Please, if you haven't listened to it, go and check out the Lawrence Stroll episode. Oh, I still need to do that. Beyond the Grid. Because you've bought an Aston Martin off the back of it. Basically. <laughs> I'll be honest, and Lawrence, apologies, and I do still want your money to support to this podcast. <laughs> do you know what? We, I didn't realise. I took a photo of his yacht in Monaco. Oh, did you? Yeah. I think he has about 10. Oh. <laughs> he comes across as a little bit arrogant. Yeah. Um, not someone who's that likeable, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Hard to gauge. Um but he is bullish, to yeah. say the least. But I think it's, he's very sure of himself. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> like he is very sure of himself. <laughs> but I kind of like it. And he is so solely, wholly 
invested and focused on making Aston Martin as a brand, a Formula One team, a road car business, the ultimate success, you kind of think, well, God, it will be. Yeah, like, you, you buy know, into him. You really buy into him. And, and look, Formula One teams are, you know, dependent on their leaders. Yes, there's thousands of people, but we've seen it through the Schumacher years and through people like Christian Horner or way back to Colin Chapman, things like that. You need someone to mm. really push forward and lead a team. Someone, and, to believe, someone to believe in. And to set that kind of uh, work environment, but also what's it called? Um, not structure, mentality, you know. Culture. Culture, thank you. That's why I'm here. And his Co-host. culture is win yeah yeah and it's not like oh we look it's like win yeah and it was quite inspiring and yes i do now want to <laughs> so uh i can't remember how we came onto that but, but yeah i think in general aston had quite a, 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 a should we say a subpar weekend i'm hoping they've taken their foot off the gas <laughs> pun intended for next year at this year in preparation to, for next to year to build more road cars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no I, I, that's what i'm hoping because they've definitely come off the boil yeah, a bit since yeah. sort of hungry um you know since the summer break they they've, they've, don't, they've peaked they have peaked because it which, took a while for them to come up they weren't very happy with the regulation changes mm-hmm. it was rake wasn't it the beginning of the year wasn't it Something it was the bit of the, the floor a bit of the back of the floor that was cut away yeah. yeah um and then they kind of came on song they had a really good couple of mid-season races and now yeah they, they've they've tailed off so fingers let's, cro- yeah fingers let's crossed. hope i think his was a five-year plan to be competing for championships not winning but competing for championships okay. which i thought was cool and they're building a v12 vantage so Holla! <laughs> um, antonio giovanazzi 11th again he had a strong race he it was him that was fighting with alonso yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. in in the bit where he went no alonso went wide yeah came back on and then Giovinazzi did it and like really like pushed him yeah give him a little knock yeah but I mean that was just it was just cool to watch very uh Vettel managed to steal a point word on him Mm. Yuki Tsunoda fantastic fighting spirit yeah I feel like we're seeing a little bit of his um, we know that he's got talent because he's in F1 right and we bang on about his pre-season testing. Oh my God, he was Every so episode. fast. Yeah. What happened to Sonoda? Because <laughs> then what we've seen is him make a lot of mistakes. And what we've kind of described is he's had a classic rookie year. But what we're seeing now is he's kind of coming into his own a little bit. Whilst he's not putting that car really in the top six, like we've seen Gasly do, what we have seen is him get his elbows out a little bit and almost stamp his authority on I'm not going to let Lewis through just because it's Lewis or I'm not going to let Bottas through because it's a Mercedes like he is coming into his own and in a way I feel like coming into the the latter part of this season he's he's becoming a much more mature rookie racecraft right up there right? yeah you know yeah. which which I think once he sorts out uh the pace to be on Gasly's level I'm like yeah. great really exciting yeah. so yeah a couple of really strong races there and he had some great battles uh, an off weekend or an off race for Lando? Nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he came out and said that on Instagram, didn't mm. he? He said that um, he made too many mistakes. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like off track. He, I feel like most weekends he dominates the, the social media game. Like he is the one to follow for funny interviews, little sneaky comments, great Instagram and Twitter. And he's always witty. But Danny Rick <laughs> stole the show stole in America. The, stole the show that, I don't know, maybe he kind of felt like, oh, well, if he's going to 
do that. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just focus on the race. And I, and I don't know whether it was he was overdriving or he felt mm. like, I'm better than Danny Rick in this car. Watch this. And it just didn't quite click for whatever reason. Um, but I definitely feel like the, the action that was happening off track may have played a part mentally with how he drove on Sunday. It's super interesting perspective. I definitely hadn't thought of it. I think, hey, we're, 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 being, we're making a lot of assumptions here, but <laughs> yeah, 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 we are experts. <laughs> we are two idiots. Absolute fools. <laughs> Commentators are going to sport with no idea what we're talking about. Uh, I have driven a Formula One colour. No, sorry, sorry. I had to bring it up. Or the spotlight was on Daniel Ricciardo yeah. this weekend. You know, yeah. he made that the case mm. by, you know, just being the absolute legend he is and, and loving America like he does. Um, and so I think, you know, with obviously Zach Brown also kind of like buying into the boogity, boogity, boogity yeah, with the NASCAR yeah, yeah. drive. Elando has been so impressive all year and delivered and being McLaren's kind of flag bearer and Zach Brown's sort of baby, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, for, for, for the year, you know, this is our guy. Obviously, Daniel got his victory. Lando so nearly did. But the, but the US weekend, you're so right. Lando was sort well, of, qu- yeah, quiet. Yeah. In it, all- was, it was almost as though there was a shift in favorability. Yeah, weirdly so. You're, you're right, which I'm sure wasn't the case. And I'm sure wouldn't have affected Lando, but it, it's a, you know, there's a, there's something in that. There's yeah. definitely something in that for sure. So. Lando, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> DM us. Did Daniel Did, piss you off? Yeah. Were you upset? Did that make you drive badly? We can be your agony aunt. <laughs> Could you imagine? God, what a disaster. He's just going to come out saying that behind the glass because it's awful. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Carlos Sainz. Why do I feel like this? Oh, oh, because he had the semi-contact with Danny Rick, Yeah, right? he he was kind of in that fight all race. He couldn't get out of it. He couldn't get ahead. Um, and he then had another slow pit stop, which then meant that the McLarens got bought in to, yes, to, cover, well to cover off that. Um, and see, it helped that I watched the highlights. This yeah, that's good. You always <laughs> have a much better memory for races like this. So many times you're like, lap that. I was like, what? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, but yeah, again, I, I feel like he just keeps, he keeps delivering. It's just Mr. Consistent. Yes, Mr. Consistent. And without that knock from Danny Rick, which I do think was accidental if you, if you follow. Oh yeah, it, it, was, it was kind of like a last minute snap of the rib, wasn't it? If you followed Daniel throughout the weekend, qualifying during the race, that section of corners, which again, I don't know the numbers, but mm. off after the back straight, he was always dancing the mm. car through there and always having a bit of movement. And, and I think it was just purely accidental, but yeah. that pulled the pace out of science's race for sure. Yeah. Now, Valtteri Bottas. Oh, Botty Bottas. First question. What is going on with Bottas's engines? Yeah. This is sixth. Oh, God knows. I lost count. 16th. Sixth. Bottas version 85.6. <laughs> I think if you tried to put a sixth engine on F1 2021 on the Xbox, the career would probably be over. It'd blow up. <laughs> That's it. You're fired. <laughs> the so, only clip that, not the clip, the tweet that I picked up in the first half of the race, it was like, uh, the dream start hasn't happened for Bottas as he just dropped from ninth to tenth. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. It was one of those off weekends. Yeah. But, okay, so if you aren't going to jump in with a theory, let me present you with a conspiracy oh. first. Ooh, I like a conspiracy theory. So there's a suggestion, there has been a suggestion for a while that Mercedes has got some kind of engine gremlin, right? They've mm-hmm. been a bit nervous about mm-hmm. it. There's sort of, you know, oh, Lewis is going to have to change his engine, which he has. He might have to change again. Valtteri every weekend, put in a new engine. <laughs> now, 
Is that because they are taking engines out after the race and pulling them apart to such a point they can't put them back together because they're inspecting and trying to understand this gremlin? Are they trying to work around it and trying different things? And they want to put these engines in Valtteri's cars to see if they work, to see if they're cures for it. And he's just a test bed guinea pig because, guinea pig because well, look, even if he's up there, is he really helping out Lewis? Not necessarily. There haven't been many races where Valtteri's really been able to help Lewis in the championship battle mm. this year. So his ultimate way to help is actually test bed this engine to make sure that it doesn't blow up for Lewis. Could, mm. that, be, could that be happening, Paul? Or... Do Mercedes just not have any engines for their Project One road car? So they're just <laughs> pulling them out of Bottas's car <laughs> one by one as they run, these cars run down the production line. We've got no engines! <laughs> just in case you're a Formula One only fan and don't follow the road car podcast behind the glass, <laughs> or my main channel, Super Glass, Project One is a hypercar coming from Mercedes, supposedly with the same F1 engine. Um, it's a good, it's a good conspiracy theory because the other thing that I pick up on on Drive to Survive, especially when drivers announce that they're changing, is obviously how the team then completely shun the driver from a lot of R&D. Now, we know that the regulations change next year, but what are Mercedes doing to... I I feel like maybe there is something in Mercedes worrying that something could happen to Lewis's engine, and what they definitely cannot afford to do now is obviously have a DNF. Exactly that. I mean, they are now coming into this window of fundamentally need to win every race if they got any chance of winning a world championship they can't rely burrow's furniture is built for the way you live from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating they always have their customers in mind their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you and with burrow you always get fast free shipping Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. On a Max Verstappen DNF. Doesn't, doesn't look like it's going to happen. No. I mean, it did earlier in the year, but, but... So they're definitely on the back foot. And if that means continuously taking apart Bottas's car and continuously giving him grid penalties, I mean, either way, it's not going to help Lewis, but... Well, it, it, it might, if that's what they're doing. If it helps from a... The, from, reliability from, point From a view, reliability yeah. point of view. But what that means is every single race, they're on the back foot from a strategic point of view. Because the one thing that I picked up watching the replays and the commentator said it quite a lot is how important it was that Perez was there to let Max through on like turn two or turn three on lap one because he just get he just let 
he just backed off so that Max could to, could get through. And if that was Bottas or Leclerc or anyone, um, it yeah. wouldn't have been the same story. Max would have been third, if not maybe fourth, because he yeah. would have to back out going into that section. So yes, and also at the first round of pit stops, Perez was vital because he did push mm. Lewis to stop a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that potentially played dividends. So yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a. I mean, it was a fairly non-existent weekend from Bottas, which is weird considering the weekend that he's just come off. So hit and miss. And so yeah. that made me think, is there something going on beneath the surface mm. um, that, that we're not privy to? So who knows? But he finished, yeah, 80 seconds off the off the lead, which is pretty insane. But I want to touch on the, that again in a second. Uh, Danny Rick, very solid yeah. weekend as we've spoken about. It's just his vibe. Just his he was vibe. Just, he was just on it all weekend. He just, he just almost like... He's a hundred percent going into IndyCar once he's finished. Yeah, like, oh my God. anything for anything to be in America. America. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I'm so with you there, but he just seemed to be full of confidence. Yeah, he, and he was just like you could just tell. Obviously, he's happy all the time, but there was a di- there was like a, an, an extra level with the way that Danny uh, handled himself throughout throughout the weekend, um, which I'm all, I'm here for. I'm totally here for, and I think his fight with science was proof that mm. you know on his day at the minute he can he can do it because that Ferrari McLaren battle is so yeah. exciting, oh, it's so fun that to first watch. lap. It literally could have been a scene of Planet Earth three, <laughs> watching the McLarens hunt that Ferrari and double team into it was that corner. It was it so was good, amazing, and that's a proper battle that's going to be fun to watch right to the end. And uh, yeah, but you know, great to see Daniel be able to get his arms out, yeah. and to, sorry, elbows out, and to really fight it and and hold it. Yeah, let's just. Yeah, I mean, I just want it to be. I want it to be great for Danny Rick, and it's getting there. Slowly, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, haven't ch- seen, I haven't seen his post-race interview, but I'm assuming he was happy. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's done some good positive. Did he continue posts on the American media. accent? I don't know. <laughs> I need to check that. Actually. <laughs> if you haven't if you haven't seen any pre-race interviews, go and watch anything from Daniel Ricciardo because his American accent isn't bad. It's really not that bad. Yeah. And he does all of the interviews in the American <laughs> yeah. accent, which I think is brilliant. Uh, moving on to the chosen one, Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Uh, solid result in fourth. Didn't put foot wrong. Oh, what a go! What a go! Uh, yeah, but just, a complete like I didn't see any footage of him. No, there because he just drove an absolute solid race. At one point, was starting to maybe pressurise Perez a bit, but we then later discovered because Perez was nearly dead <laughs> for not being able to rehydrate at any point. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, just a, just a great solid race, and it, he needed the result for himself. I think yeah, after a bit yeah. of bad luck, and uh, yeah, good for Ferrari, and yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say because it was a quiet uh, race. A, a self a self-confidence boost to just finish ahead of science. Science um, definitely was um, fighting his own battles in that race with the McLarens and stuff. So the fact that Leclerc was out there by himself, he probably is coming away from that going, yeah, that was an all right race. Yeah, exactly. Good weekend. So Sergio, now I want to, this is a, a weird one. Uh, it's very competitive throughout the weekend, practice, qualifying. Mm. Uh, you're right, going into lap, well, you know, turn four, whatever, turn three. Uh, he could have been up into second, but obviously mm. gave, gave way to Max. Sort of was uh, there or thereabouts during the first stint. I think he was four or five seconds off, maybe a bit more by the time they started to come in for the pit stop. So not amazing. His end result, I guess, isn't reflective because as we found out, he was nearly dead. His drinks bottle stopped working. And at the end, he was like, yeah, I was really losing strength because he finished 42 seconds off the pace. And initially I was going to be like, this race showed, and I think it still does, Lewis and Max at their, mm. their upper echelon, mm, which they've yeah. done a few races this year. And they've done as a season in general. They, they are just drive a, off. They are in a different league to yeah. the rest of the well, field this by year. By lap five, Bottas was a pit stop behind Lewis and Max by lap five. Yeah. 
they are just gone. And yeah. when they're pushing each other as hard as they did in this race, yeah. it's clear to see now, if Perez was able to hydrate himself, could he finish closer? P- probably. I, th- I think probably, but he w- he, 20 he w- seconds off the pace, yeah, maybe? Yeah. Like, I don't think it would have been much. I think he still would have been a fair distance off Max and Lewis. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like we've seen it, th- we've seen it this season where uh, Max and Lewis have just driven off and in perfect conditions for Perez. Okay, fine. He might have been doing tire management or he might have been playing a, a driver two strategic positioning. Um, but even still, it just shows what I saw an amazing tweet from Matt from WTF1 where he basically said, we're living in the good old days right now, like this season and what it has produced week after week, race after race. We've had, what, two boring races? And even there, in some seasons, they would have probably been exciting races. <laughs> but because what we've had delivered to us week in, week out, mainly from Max and Lewis um, and the, and their respective teams as well, because quite a lot of it has been strategic with bringing them in and then 20 second, uh, 20 second gap, go and chase him down. And Max has done it. Lewis has done it as well. Um, we are just seeing these two drivers that are so far above the rest of the grid. Titans. Titans. And Bat- you're right. Of the Titans. In five years time, when Lance Stroll is a three-time world champion. <laughs> God, hope so. <laughs> Lawrence. We'll be going, home. oh God, this is so boring, this Aston Martin dominance. If only it could be like Lewis versus Max. And I think we are all aware of that. I think we're all aware, whether you're joining the sport this year for the first time, whether you've been a fan for 45 years, what a special season we're witnessing and what, how hard these two are driving each other. Um, pun intended again <laughs> and this is bringing me on to the, the master point so obviously we can analyze their actual race and the result but but fundamentally well we will come back to i that. don't I, well fun, i don't think either of them put a foot wrong no no i i, and I, think, I don't think their teams did obviously mercedes reacted to the undercut and that was the best they could do but lewis drove a near on perfect race i think and, it was strategic and, and, genius and max and max provided a perfect race there was nothing apart from the start but therefore um, I definitely watched Max in awe. Yes. Um, as oh, we know, we know that he is unbelievable. But I think there have been a couple of times this season, especially during qualifying, where I've just looked at it and gone, mm, "Max has got this." Whereas in previous seasons, it's always been like, oh, "Lewis will find it." Lewis, Lewis will find the time. Um, and I think it was Martin Brundle that said it at the end of this Grand Prix, that the way Max has driven in this Grand Prix is is not, it wasn't like a chain, this is a world championship drive. He kind of said those words, but it was like a turning point. He felt like it was a turning point. The way that Max drove, the pressure that he was under from Lewis chasing him, but also the pressure that his team put him under in terms of the aggressive strategy and him needing to deliver, and he delivered. We knew that he could, but just seeing it, I think just seeing it and in the, in America as well, I was like, oh, this is, it, it did feel a bit like a turning point. Yeah. Uh, uh, so many Max fans are now going to go, ha, ha. <laughs> I told you so. But there was definitely a moment after the Chicken flag where I watched it and I went, I'm no longer that <laughs> confident that, that Lewis is going to win this championship. You know, I think up until now, I've always thought it's just going to go right down to the wire. I'm not sure which way it's going to go. And you're right. I think, what we were able to witness, I'm sure this has happened so many times before, but we got a real insight into 
a mature and very clever drive from Max. As I say, I'm sure he's delivered those many times, but usually he's up at the front. We don't get an insight or people haven't been able to challenge him. But because this was Lewis on a track that he has dominated mm-hmm. on, that he loves in a car that looked, okay, not as quick as the Red Bull in the latter half of the weekend, but right there, he bloody done him off the start. You know, with the DRS, the power advantage, everyone went, right, it's going to come down to his last five laps and he'll sail past. Mm. And what it appeared to be was that Max had just balanced the tire management, the gap management so perfectly that, and I text Tony this, when he got to, I think it was 1.8 seconds, Lewis, he was catching, 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 got to 1.8 seconds. I think it was three laps, he stayed at 1.8 seconds. And I text Tony, I said, he's not doing yeah. it. I said, he should have been within a second yeah, by now, yeah. at which point it would have been on. But I just got this thing like, oh my God, Max has played the ultimate game here where he's just saved enough and he's waited for you to get to that two seconds and he's just going to hold it. Um, and that was so impressive and has to And you're right. You know, we, we bash Max a lot on this podcast. We call him, you know, petulant. We call him hot-headed. And uh, I you st- do. No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I normally back him up though. <laughs> I stand by those words yeah. at times, but we have never knocked his ability and his talent mm. and what he is now being able to show or we're being witness to is the breadth of his capabilities. Mm. And, you know, in previous years or previous situations, it felt like Lewis was going to catch right up to him. And then there was going to be these overtaking opportunities in the last five laps. And maybe there was going to be a crash. Mm. That's kind of, I just text him saying, I don't want it to be a crash. Like I just, <laughs> please, it'll be, I don't care the result as long as there's yeah. not a crash. And yeah, so that's why it was hats off. And I was like, bloody hell, he is, he has really driven a very clever mm. and a brilliant race. And if he's done that, when are Mercedes going to be able to get an upper hand? Because yeah, yeah. you're right, to win this championship now, they have to, we've got five races left, have to win four out of the yeah. five left. Yeah. You know, because if, if Max wins the next one, that's 20 points at, at best yeah. that Lewis is behind. It's yeah. nearly a race victory. Yeah. So they're in trouble, Mercedes, and I'm sure they know it. But it's Formula One. Anything can happen. <laughs> um, so we've got a long way to go, but to bring up Tony's point, um, it was about the fact that we are witnessing these titans, but two completely different individuals and characters. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton, nearly 37 now. He's 36, nearly 37. And Max is 23 or 24? 24? 23. Anyway, sub 25. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's 24 because I saw something to say that He's been, has he been in F1 for seven years? Yeah, he's, he's been yeah. in longer than people sometimes remember. Yeah. But, you know, so completely different. Which is why it, sometimes it's it's va- it's valid to call him petulant or whatever, because he is, he's a fairly mature, even though he's 24, seven years in Formula One. Oh, yeah. Some so, of the stuff that he's done this weekend, uh, not this weekend, sorry, in this season, um, is is what you'd expect from someone that's three, four years, yeah, and like hot headed. And, and Lewis has been hot headed at times, and yeah. still is. And we say he can be a dick on the radio. And hey, Senna's been hot headed. Schumacher's been hot headed. You know, it's not all. Anyway, getting caught up in a different <laughs> argument. I think it is that it's not David Goliath at all, but it is old generation versus new generation. And my the point that Tony made was Alonso and Raikkonen are applauded when fighting for fourteenth, sixteenth, whatever. Oh, they've still got it in him. There's yeah. legs in the old dog yet. <laughs> Lewis firstly competed with those guys throughout. He's of the same generation. Okay. No, he's not the same generation, but he's of that era at yeah. least. And he's not that much younger. 
And this is the guy, okay, fine, in the one of the best cars, but still fighting for a championship. Now, I know a lot of Alonso fans will come to me and say, if Alonso was in that Mercedes, he'd be doing just the same job. And he'd be mm. like, I'm sorry, personally, I doubt that. Mm. Over a championship season, I doubt yeah. it. Raikkonen, unfortunately, no way near. So there's a certain amount of Lewis, like he's the old man, he's still competing at this level. Against the young guy, the up and coming, and this is why it makes, I'm not saying, oh, it's amazing that Lewis at 37 can keep up with Max. Uh, what I'm saying is that's why it makes this title battle so epic. It really is the grandmaster versus the young meister. And I think it's all this experience versus this complete raw talent. And what we saw in that race was a Lewis of old. That was a Lewis race we have seen so many times over. Different strategy. You've got to make up the time, hunt the guy down twice. Yeah. You overtook him at the start. You've got to overtake him two more times. Blah, blah, blah. And so many times he's done that. And he just came up short. And he came up short. And sorry, go on. Oh, no, no, in, no. But I, I was only going to say purely, purely because of who Max is and the talent that he is. Because I think if that was any of the other drivers on the grid that Lewis had that strategy against, even Perez, it would have, it would have been a different story. I assume so. And also the point that Tony made, God damn it, Tony. God, can we just not say that it was Lawrence Stroll that said this? <laughs> you just really paint him in a nice picture. So the point that Lawrence Stroll made <laughs> was, could any other driver have pressured Max like Lewis did? Because we talk about how they elevate each other, these two, how mm. they push each other on. And yes, Perez was 40 seconds, but I reckon would have been 25 even with yeah. the drinks. And so many races, we've seen them just saunter off and you know, Lewis is helping elevate Max to a level and Max, I think, is pushing Lewis to a level and they're both week in, week out, or Grand Prix in, Grand Prix out, just going to that that extent. And I, I'm not sure many other drivers, or definitely not Bottas, could have, you know, necessarily hunted Max down that because it was all of Lewis's expertise and mm. knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And he wasn't quite there. Um, but that's the races I want, right? I'm happy oh. for him to lose in that situation. But, but, yeah. Um, what was the race where Max won and... I was really happy that Max won. It was like Manicor? No. It was like two, maybe two Grand Prix ago. Not in the Dutch remember. Grand Prix? No, 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 because no, that was boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember. You're right. I can't, I can't, but there was, there was, a, there, you know, no, yeah, well, Spa was a joke anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, well. I can't remember. Um, mm, yes, I would say that Lewis being the experienced seven-time world champion that he is through everything at max on the weekend mm -hmm. um didn't didn't quite get there um do you know that uh, the only other driver on the grid that i thought i don't think he would do it now if he was in the seat but if that in, that that race happened in 3 years time the exact same race happened in 3 years time i'd be intrigued to see what George russell Oh, there he is. Would would have done against Max then. But I think this comes down to, again, what you were talking about, how Lewis is seven-time world champion, late 30s. Mm -hmm. Max is coming into what you'd probably say is going to be his peak five-year mm -hmm. dominance. Um, 24, I'm going to... I'm, okay, I'm rolling. It's around there, 24, I'm, I'm, 25. I'm rolling you know. with him being 24. Under 25, I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is really coming into what you probably class as going to be his his peak. Mm -hmm. for, whereas Lewis is... He's, he's, he's a freak in terms of his ability at the age that he's at and the dominance in the sport that he's had, 
he's had in the same way I know I love making football references because I'm into football the same way that Ronaldo and, and Messi are still Federer and Nadal for me yeah it's the same thing these guys are far past their peak but their experience and desire to win and and natural talent and their ability combined together gets them to where they are in each individual race and so Max was just superior. Max was superior. There's there's there's, sure. there's nothing else to say to that and and Lewis literally threw everything that he has to to try and win because he knows how important it is now to to collect all of these points. Um but I think if that race repeated itself identically in 2026 I'd love to know what George Russell so would, would I would have done. yeah I'd love but I mean then at that point I would love to see what Leclerc's going to do I'd love to see freaking I mean so many Gasly like like I don't doubt that there's the talent yeah, to, to sorry just jump in there I was thinking of all of these drivers like you but just put them in the Mercedes because yeah. that's all we've known for the last five years to be like, well, put them in that car and see and see what happens. It was never, oh, I'd love to see Gasly and Alpha Tari. Yeah, because <laughs> you just know it's not no, no, be possible. Of course. So that's it, why George Russell in the Merc, knowing he's going there next year in three years' time with a little bit more racecraft experience in that car. I think what I took away from it, and not to shit on what you're saying at all, but is that it was a very mental. They both. It was a and Hornick on the radio going classy. What a classy race um, to Max. But I think it was clever. I mm. think both of them really used their brains. You know, Horner said that for at the second stop or like that, or the charge, he was nearly down to the canvas, Max. And so he really had to judge how much to use those tires, how much time to allow Lewis to to catch in. And I think basically. He bluffed, he bluffed, and we all, none of us read into it and thought, here comes Lewis. And I think Max was just clever enough mm. to know how to play Lewis, given the season that they've had, given all the experience that Max had, knew how Mercedes would attack it, how Lewis would attack it, how Lewis would abide at his time to bed in the tyres, come on strong. Lewis, theoretically, usually likes to build to that kind of one or two opportunities and just get it done. Yeah. You know, he doesn't like to get there with 10 laps to go and try multiple times. And Max probably realised that and thought, if I can just save as much tyres to those last three laps, I'll be able to defend it. And mm -hmm. I think that was genius of him. And Lewis, in the meantime, was going through all of his experience, all of his brains, blah, blah. Okay, how can I set this up the right? I don't want to give Max... I want to surprise him. I always want it to be the last lap. Yeah. If I give him a chance, he's going to plough into me. Like... Whereas maybe some of the other drivers and hey, we're going to see it. At some point, Lewis is going to retire and, <laughs> and I love the guy and I want him still to win all the championships, but uh, so I'm also excited for the next era. Um, and we're going to see this, but you cannot knock someone's experience like that. that an Alonso or a Raikkonen and, and some other drivers and even Danny Rick have, you know, and that's what you need in that scenario to try and outsmart the other driver, mm. not just by pace. Yeah. Russell will have pace, I don't doubt. I don't think yet he's got the Formula One race winning experience that Verstappen and Hamilton had in that Grand Prix. Agreed. What a anyway. fantastic way to summarize. Yeah, yeah. Well then we'll <laughs> leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was great. And I know that again lots of Max fans are going, oh so now Max is gonna win. You're suddenly gonna start supporting him, <laughs> yeah glory hunters. It's not that I desperately want Lewis to win. I do not want Max to win the oh, championship. If 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 Max wins this championship, 
I will support Lewis even harder yeah. next year because <laughs> I can't have him get to the end of his contract and not have an eighth world championship. I will find excuses as to why Red Bull and Max Verstappen cheated. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> um, but no, no. Do you it, think if there was four more laps, it would have been the same outcome? Yes. Uh, you got to assume there was a cliff coming for Max uh, with those tyres but we don't know how much he was able to do. Mm, it, would much- have, it would have changed their mental game, wouldn't it? Because Max would have tyre managed, Lewis would have tyre managed. Yeah, when would Lewis have run out of his tyres? You know, mm. like, hard to say. That That's why it was such a perfect race. I, and the re- go, on, go on. I just feel like there have been so many, like, pendulum swings this race season. Like in, what was it, Bahrain? Where the same thing happened. Lewis was catching, 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 made the pass, and Max had to give the position back. Or was it Max chasing Lewis and then tried to overtake him, but went off the track? Oh, I can't remember. But it was one of those moments where I remember texting you and Tony going, Lewis will sort this out. Lewis, Lewis will sort this, it yeah. out. Lewis, Lewis has got this. Happened in Barcelona. Lewis has got this. Lewis has got this. And then Max has had a few amazing races mm. uh, where he's really shown how strong he is, how confident he is up front and how he can lead the race. And you're going, hmm, maybe Lewis hasn't got this. Uh, and then this is one of those races where... I think Max has got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that as a fan of the sport is fantastic yeah. to see. And, and that's the thing is we're celebrating a great race. And, and this is what I think us as fans want. Yes. The crashes throughout the season have been exciting at this point in the championship. That's not how we want this championship decided. No, I would love the next five races to be super intense wheel to wheel let the best man win. And if that's Verstappen, good on him. If yeah. that's Hamilton, I will be so happy. Yeah. But that's what I want. I don't want DNFs. I don't want crashes. I would love what we just saw at the USGP, but more of that. Um, and, and let's see out what's been an amazing year in an amazing style. I'm not sure my heart will take it. (laughs) Anyway, that will wrap up today's episode, our USGP reaction slash review. Let us know in the comments below your thoughts. If you're a Hamilton fan, do you feel like, oh God, it's starting to slip away. If you're a Verstappen fan, you're like, yeah, we got this. Or I don't know what else has been going (laughs) on. I just love going on Twitter, especially clicking on an F1 tweet and just reading the comments. Oh, it's just, it's It's, mayhem. It is, it is so good it's my entertainment most <laughs> most days it's my entertainment people are stabbing each other via keyboards <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, as uh, as maybe we said at the beginning i've lost track because i've done too many podcasts today you did say that we were going to go back to alonso and raikkonen oh no so my point being was the age thing that was oh, that was the whole okay. thing you know that, that, yeah, that they're yeah. celebrated for being these old guys yeah don't have to do yeah, it. yeah, yeah. and oh, lewis is basically now they've still got it. yeah yeah um but no what i was gonna say is subscribe uh turn on notifications oh, yeah. so you don't miss do that. future episodes because we're going to be back in a couple of weeks for the mexican grand prix latter half of the year is going to be interesting because mm. i'm away for quite a few of the final races so we've got to think that through. <laughs> we're, we don't worry. we will be here these reactions will don't take worry place. sam just let your co-host Host. <laughs> Hi guys, it's uh, Paul. I'm a guest again. <laughs> um, but yes, if you want to keep up with Paul, he is at Wallace PJW or Supercars of London on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. Regular episodes of Behind the Glass, my podcast, will return later this week. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back with you for a few weeks for the Mexican Grand Prix. I can't wait. I love that circuit. The stadium's amazing. Yeah, not such a fan. Oh, really? Bets on Perez winning? Mm. Sounds too cliche. This late, this late in the championship, not going to happen. Anyway, we'll see you then. Red Bull will never let that happen. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.